back to Taiwan Talk on ICRT FM 100. I'm Ryan Drillsma, and this is our third episode in the series Renewable Energy and Taiwan, in cooperation with the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan and its Low Carbon Initiative. This week, I speak to Vivi Lee, the Business Development Manager of Cieleter Taiwan, about solar energy. Cieleter has been contracted to install a number of medium and large-scale solar, or photovoltaic, projects across the country. But the company's specialization in Taiwan is floating solar panels, something it became involved in over the past 10 years, as Vivi explains. In, in general, at the beginning, probably about 10 years ago, we we're only more familiar with like rooftop solars or ground-mounted solar. That's where we, we thought of that we can put solar. But especially for a country like Taiwan, it's very, uh, we have very limited land spaces. But we have a lot of water spaces that's being not unused, or they are used, but they could have some more value on top of it. So we start to think, how can we have uh, solar power plants without taking too much space of the lens or the rooftop since they are limited? That's when we start to think about water and floating solar. So we're trying to use the space that's not being used. And by putting solar panels and floating systems on the water, it doesn't really affect what it was supposed to be. So, for example, if it's supposed to be a reservoir after we put floating solar on it, it can still be a reservoir. Or if it's a detention pound after we put floating solar on it, it can still be a detention pound. Tsai Ing-wen's administration has ambitious goals for Taiwan's solar energy generation capacity. The government is hoping to reach 20 gigawatts by 2025, and Vivi estimates the country's current capacity as between 6 and 8 gigawatts. But just how much is 20 gigawatts in terms of everyday energy usage? So uh, for uh, people out there that might not have a really uh, clear idea about what is gigawatts, Let's just say, uh, according to Thai power, uh, what you are using in every household per per month, it's about 290 du. Taiwanese, we call it du, so it's kilowatt hours every month. And 1,000 of the kilowatt hours equals to uh, 1 megawatt. And then uh, 1,000 megawatts, it will come down to gigawatt. So it's a lot, and it's very sufficient for us to replace a significant amount of other energy sources to renewable. Vivi said the 20 gigawatt goalpost is something her organization can help work towards rather than hope to hit directly, as it's hard to quantify the amount of smaller scale solar projects, such as rooftop installations, being implemented constantly. However, the goalpost has given CLA Tur the impetus and opportunity to work on more large-scale solar projects for Taiwan. Uh, I have to say, it's it's a very, very, <laughs> a very, very high target for us to reach, but it's it's also a very promising target for us to work for. We are, at the moment, doing quite some larger-scale projects, and we are also doing some smaller-scale projects at the moment as well. But it's any little projects that we can... It, floating solar, there is also a, a small limitation. It's not really suitable for two small projects. Because floating solar, you need a little bit of... A, they, they need a specific space requirements. Uh, however, for rooftop solar, you can have a very small project. But for us, we're more aiming for medium to large-size projects for our company. And either big or small, it's going to dedicate to the 20 gigawatt uh, targets for the country. 
So which projects have you worked on so far and where are they? So I can mention one that is more significant and connected to Greece last year. We did a, a offshore floating solar. It's it's not entirely offshore, but there's uh, it's already on the seawater. It's in the jumping area, the Longway Dong Bayway. Uh, if you pass by the Row 61 right now through the through the Zhanghua County, you can actually see there's a huge uh, floating project over there, and then Xiaojie is responsible for 88 megawatts of installation of the Longway Dong project. That's one of the biggest ones. It's really challenge. It's our first uh, big step to be a little bit more closer to any uh, offshore possibilities in the future. And there's also a lot of detention pounds that we're doing this year across uh, Jiayi, uh, Kaohsiung, and Zhanghua these days. Uh, they were detention pounds and uh, very luckily, right after we have uh, installed the solar power plant, it comes to a really sudden rinse in the past couple of weeks, and then these detention pounds work its way even through, even though there's a floating solar on it. Which projects are you currently working on? For moving forward for us, we'll be aiming for more uh, larger scale projects or fishery PVs that we're currently working on. We are putting a lot of emphasis on uh, and a lot of energies on fishery PV, not just because it's a country policy, but because uh, from doing floating solar, it's for CLTR to believe in the value of the land can be used not just for one purpose. So fishery PV serve this purpose, and it, it met what we what we trying to bring to this world. Uh, so fishery PV is also a big emphasis in our company at the moment. VV explained fishery PV means installing photovoltaic panels on top of fish pounds, but in a way that reaps mutual benefits for fisheries and solar energy developers. It's about combining the fishing activities and the solar activities in one pounds. So it's fishery PV is not just for solars, investors, or constructors to find more lands to build solar. It's actually by installing these uh, facilities, it can help the fishermen in some ways uh, in their fishery activities. For example, some fishes, they're very sensitive towards temperature, towards oxygen, or towards sudden rain. Or some fishermen, they would like an indoor fishery facilities, but normally fishermen, they don't exactly have the cash or exactly have the ability to build a fishery, indoor fishery institute for themselves. So this is when solar comes into place. Uh, our racking systems or our uh, floating system can be served as a shadow for them, for them to rest underneath or uh, as a rooftop to prevent the sudden rain or as a, a temperature uh, stabilizer so that it's not exposed directly to the ten- like to the sudden temperature change or the, the sudden wind change that will all affect the fisheries activity. So we're trying to serve as a, as a supporting role in this fishery period development. We are hoping solar can support fishermen to achieve what they couldn't do before. And then also by developing solar, since solar is a, is a more stable revenue than fishery, uh, we are hoping to lower their risk and also share a bit of their financial burden when it comes to, let's say, land rental or any uh, new facilities they are trying to implement or even some monetary systems, not for the solar, but for the fishery activities. So we're hoping that we can act as their assistance to make fishery uh, more stable, uh, lower risk, and at the meanwhile, we can also have uh, build renewable energy on it. 
I asked Vivi if there's a chance floating solar panels could have negative impacts on the environment. She explained CLA Terre uses specific materials to build its panels that do not allow toxic substances to leach into the water. We are really, really worried about this as well. Because uh, we are trying to do renewable energy to bring good to the environment instead of the damage of the environment. So for the, for the floating solar, uh, the materials the CLTA use, it's very specific. We have a lot of exams on the materials that were used. At the moment, we're using uh, HDPE. So it's a very stable material. And to put uh, HDPE is also very usefully seen for the containers that we're carrying, either our waters or some of our edible uh, liquids. We have also done several tests about whether uh, our materials will release any uh, toxic uh, components or chemicals into the water. Uh, we do series of tests about this, and uh, we have have some proof and some documents and research paper to prove that the material that we're selecting for Celitas Hydrelio system will not uh, bring any damages or any pollution to the water. And we actually also have one cases in England. We are uh, putting our floating solar on drinkable water reservoirs in England. And this water has been constantly monitoring its water quality. And for years, it has been proven that we are not releasing any toxic uh, components from hydrolyl floats. In the cases where you have offshore floating panels, is there a chance they could, you know, drift off and become ocean garbage? It's actually a very, very good question, Ryan. It's also uh, a lot of people concerned when it comes to floating. Will you drift away? Will you float away? Will it become a garbage? Uh, one very, very important thing about floating solar is about its anchoring system. The anchoring system is the key of the structural safety of the floating solar. And at the moment, especially in Taiwan, we are treating this very seriously. And uh, in our team in Taiwan, because it's so important, we have our in-house uh, anchoring engineers specifically to invest how is the soil's situations and then how deep we have to put our anchors to make sure it has enough pulling of the whole system. Even though floating solar is very low, it doesn't need to be compliant to uh, the, the any structural regulations law. But we apply to any law we can possibly follow. And then we put high safety factors when it comes to our structural safety calculations. So for a floating solar power plant to completely float away at the moment for CLTA in Taiwan is, is barely possible. It's almost impossible. Even if there's any failures of any anchor, because we're anchoring a lot of them, so even if one anchor failed, the other anchor can still take the loads of the others. And during this time of the inspection, we can already come and do the replacement and emergency uh, fixing of the anchor already. So for it to completely flow away, it's, it's almost impossible. And Vivi said Taiwan has been helpful not only in creating a positive investment environment for solar energy developers, but also in facilitating the maintenance and disposal of solar panels. Yeah, actually, Taiwanese government at the moment, they're coming up with a lot of really good, uh, it's only coming up, right? Uh, a, a lot of really good policy are coming in place right now. So for the, for the floating solar part, for floats, it's HDP, it's like plastic, 
it's the same idea as you recycle plastic, you can also recycle our floats. And especially for the solar panel, it's a lot of people's concern. Uh, now the government actually, uh, every developer, when they are developing the area or investing in the area, the government will take a, a panel recycling fee. It's a fee that we, we will need to, uh, as a solar investor, we will need to pay to the government. And then the government will arrange, use this fund to set up different recycling stations, specialize and verify them for a solar panel disposal. So after the solar panel is being disposed, you're, you, you tear them apart in different components, including aluminum, including glass, and some other the, the solar cells. And then they will be recycled in different way to prevent any possible pollution or any uh, people right now at the moment they, they they are concerned about whether it will just dispose without and being taken care of. But now the government is using these funds that the solar investors are paying to set up this. Uh, set up these uh, facilities and verify these facilities to do uh, secure and safe recycle jobs for solar panels especially. Uh, we're really grateful for, for the Taiwanese government. They really have been pushing the energy, the renewable energy policy ever since 2016. And uh, we would hope that the, as an investor, we will hope that this uh, supportive uh, attitude can be carried out regardless of which party or regardless of each region of Taiwan. And we're also hoping uh, this uh, feeding trough can last for longer or the, the drop of the feeding trough every year can be slightly lower. It's a better incentive for us to keep on investing and also investing in bio project and developing in bigger projects of uh, renewable energy in Taiwan. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you again, Vivi, for talking to us today. It's been very informative and it's been lovely to speak to you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for the call. That was Vivi Lee from floating solar panel developer CLA Tur joining us for the third episode of Renewable Energy and Taiwan, produced in conjunction with the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan's Low Carbon Initiative. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan Drillsma. And join my co-host Trevor Tortomossi next week for an all-new episode of Taiwan Talk. Hi, I'm Ryan Drillsma. And I'm Trevor Tortomossi. And we're the co-hosts of Taiwan Talk. You can catch our show on ICRT every Monday during the 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. newscasts. Or you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, SoundOn, or wherever you might usually find podcasts. New episodes are uploaded every Monday night. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with a new guest.